the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, tell them your favorite teams and sports, and it's personalized, ad free content at your fingertips every single day. Start at theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year, and the content is yours from there. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. Happy Sunday. My name is Mike Nettie. Kind of debriefing a little bit from the, the week and a half that was here in terms of the NFL moratorium, actual pre- free agency, baseball's gigantic offseason, which we'll get to in a second here. Scott Allen's going to join just to kind of take some of the, the load off of me here. And we're going to bounce back and forth on a bunch of conversations. Obviously, the major trades in the NFL, some of the trades in Major League Baseball, and the, the numbers in terms of some of the free agent numbers in, in football and in baseball. The baseball numbers are stupid. If you don't know about it yet, please listen. Um, we get through that pretty uh, specifically in terms of the, the billions of dollars that baseball has pushed out to free agents this year. That is unlike any other year we've had as we've been tracking the sport. But obviously, the conversation is football and the Rodgers move, the Devontae Adams move. Where, where does that leave the Packers? How the Raiders have just traded themselves into a, a roster that is easily one of, the, one of the teams to vie for here and what that means for the rest of the NFL because this is now version two of the NFL really doing this in terms of an offseason where trades have dominated the conversation and certainly some of the breakdowns of some of the signings across the league as well. So Scott joins us to break down a little baseball, a little football, and there's some cross pollination with the NBA as well in there. All right, Scott, it's a uh, bonkers time of year for us amplified this year because of the major league baseball lockout. We're, we're doing double time, double duty here. You're kind of taking the baseball side of this in terms of the data input and I'm on the NFL side, but we're crossing paths quite a bit, especially over the past two weekends, which have just exploded with breaking news and, and transactions. None of us really saw coming to the forefront. Where's your head with all this right now? Do you think we're in just an anomaly type off season because there's so much sports crossover or it certainly does feel like the NFL has ramped up its trade market, right? Yeah. NFL has definitely ramped up their trade market, which we've been talking about for a couple of years now that they have needed to do so. I but think I think, so. I think you're right. I think we're in an anomaly where baseball just happens to have come out of the lockout sort of has a deadline to get some of these players either traded or signed uh, because of the shortened time to get into, you know, preseason uh, spring training and then into the season itself, which is only a couple weeks away as it is. So, so I think, let me jump in though, Scott, because I, you're right. All there is this suppressed situation, but, Whenever we've had this before, and I think in any sport, even with the NFL, remember when the NFL literally at the day, the first day of the league year, two years ago, signed that CBA and everybody had to kind of push, push, push quickly. The numbers for Major League Baseball free agency are off the board right now. It's not like anybody's going for value. You know, you know what I mean? It's not like guys are just saying, just get me on a roster. I just want to play ball. Nobody's doing that. And teams aren't using that as leverage either. It, is, did the lockout, did the new CBA, do you feel like the owners are purposefully spending a few extra dollars this year as a way to show even the general population that they're not as cheap as we all say they are all the time? Yeah, I, I think there is definitely probably some calculated uh, spending in there. But I also think why we 
have such high numbers was going into the lockout. Teams wanted to spend to lock in some of those yeah. premier players before whatever was going to go down because they didn't know what the CBA yeah, was, was going to come out. Was going to blow up? Right. Good point. Right. We didn't know if there was going to what the CBT was going to happen. What is going to happen with some of those mid-level guys or the minimum or that we really did not know what was going to happen. So coming out of the lockout, knowing where some of those aspects are now you're seeing teams. Oh, we need to jockey. We know we can spend. We don't want to spend. We want to make these trades. We want to get the assets. So you almost had a, a double, yeah. Free agency deadline type thing where it's a deadline going in, but then a deadline coming out because you know you only have two, two and a half weeks to really sign players to get them into your spring so training. So let me rephrase my point because that, that was probably insensitive, right? Because, uh, you know, th- there's obviously a competitive imbalance. It's still going to exist. Let's not even talk about it. The Dodgers are overspending. You know, all the, the Giants are big spenders right now. And the, the Orioles, Orioles, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Cleveland Guardians have done nothing as expected. That hasn't changed. But you're right. We did have two iterations. And st- phase one was, there, there's guys we want. We want to lock them in now at our price before things change. But now, now knowing that really nothing has changed drastically, financially speaking, there's been some tinkering. There's a comfort level with these owners for the next four to five years of the CBA, right? That now they know exactly what they're dealing with, financially speaking. So. If Chris Bryant's 182 over seven, and that's going to at least put some butts in our seats in Colorado, let's just do it because we know that we're not going to have to overpay our pre-arb guys too much. None of these guys are winning rookie of the year or MVP soon, right? So I think there was a, a an overspend because of the, the looming questions. And now there's an overspend because there's comfort. Is that fair? I do think that's fair. And from the comfort side, knowing that it's a five-year deal and they already know what the CBT thresholds are, they can sign these guys to the six-year deals that they know they are doing with the with the known luxury tax salary threshold, you know, their luxury tax value for those players. And I, I think that's why we're seeing these, you know, five, six-year deals because they know going out five years, what the CBT is going to be in five years. So there is that level of comfort of already knowing, and they can manipulate their books as they need. I mean, as of right now, we have uh, seven teams that are over the first threshold. Uh, So I I expect maybe some of those teams might come down after some trades and whatnot during the season. But, you know, I do I do think that these teams are spending because of that comfort of knowing where things are now. Um, but uh, let me let me bounce this back at you. Having seen what we just saw in the last six months, it, does the the players association or the owners go back to each other at some point and say, do we have a uh, a two iteration free agency that no other league has, at least in the world that I know of, where we're going to have a deadline to sign free agents in November and then have a cutoff time and then have a lull where there's a, a you know, a two month span of no signing and then you can start signing again. So there's that reprieve in between where maybe some negotiation figuring out instead of having just a 
a lull where you can sign, but you're not really going to sign until February, March anyways. Yeah. They didn't address that at all, did they? It's still just no, kind of a four months stretched out. It doesn't matter right. when it happens. Let's just have it happen. Because I really think these deadlines have helped baseball not from a from a transactional standpoint, but from a fan standpoint. Fan, and yeah. But so in putting all these transactions in for the last week and a half, I mean, I, I monitor our analytics and that the trades for Matt Olson and Chapman, I mean, it went off the charts when those happened, whereas certain NFL trades happened and there we thought there was going to be a spike and there wasn't necessarily a spike. Right. So I, I think some of these trades caught me off guard. Like I, I didn't expect them to, to jump up to as many people interested in those uh, players being traded that there were, but I think that helps with having the, the deadline and the urgency of moving or signing players right now. Whereas if this, these trades happened in the middle of January or early February. I think that would have just been a, a blip on the radar. Well, I think a couple things are true. I think one, this expedited process, if there's not really many bumps in the road, it's just proof that it can, that it's possible, right? We don't need a month of spring training. Probably we don't need um, this four month process that you're laying out here where, you know, the agents can go back and forth a thousand times on, on nickel and dime offers. If there's a start and an end date, like there should be, because this should be a TV and a Twitter show, which every other sport has. In fact, every other sport has a moratorium period, which teases the process and basically un- gives us all the info up front anyway, so that there's an agreement period and an official period. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they've doubled, most of these other sports have doubled down on this process and baseball hasn't even singled out the process yet. So, I think, and then point two is get the hell away from football. Like there's no right. way where you should want Max Scherzer signing in week 15 of the NFL. <laughs> like you don't want that. The, the worst NFL game is going to destroy any news of Max Scherzer signing a contract with the Mets. Destroy it. So get away from it. Just, just wait until after the Super Bowl. you know, compete with the Pro Bowl if you want, but put a, put a start date that isn't in, in competition with December basketball, right? NBA Christmas basketball and or the heart of the NFL season. Get yourself away from it. You've proved that you can do this quickly. And this is, by the way, a point we haven't made. It's a good free agent class. Tons of middle infielders, tons of starting pitchers, some decent relievers, and some home run hitting outfielders that can now be designated hitters. I know a point you, you wanted to bring up, which is probably amplified things a little bit in terms of dollars. But I, I just think those things uh, make sense to me. Put, put, a, put a start and an end date on free agency and get the hell away from the NFL as much as possible. And that's where we are now. And you can say that there's crossover with NFL transactions happening, but because we're so close to actual baseball games and not three months removed from, well, this guy's going to join the Braves, but I'm not going to see him until April, so I could just throw it away from my, my mind. You know what I mean? Because we're so close to it, there's a buildup. There's a ramping up period. Well, this guy's here. Let's go. I'm going to see him in preseason in six weeks or two weeks. You know what I mean? It, 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 and I'm, I'm curious to know if Major League Baseball actually right now within this last week has been amplified because of the NFL free agency, because people are hawking Twitter for transactions. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you do get some crossover where 
uh, an NFL reporter or a Major League Baseball reporter will retweet a NFL uh, trade or the baseball trade. So you're getting crossover from those reporters. But because people are watching and yeah, they're activated know, they're, already. They're they're breaking. They're they're on ESPN watching for breaking news of you know NFL signings or trades, and it just happens that it's a baseball trade. So they're already watching or viewing those types of things. So I wonder if it's a good point, Scott. It, being at the exact same time has actually helped major league baseball being at the same time as the NFL or at least around the same time. Right. And you'd think that, you know, the NFL transactions would just blow them out of the water. And I guess for the most part they would, but at least it's a parallel conversation. Whereas if you're trying to have free agency or, or some form of free agency, while there's actual NFL games on, those are two very different experiences from a fan perspective. You know what I mean? That's what you're saying. Right. Transactionally speaking, people are just refreshing Twitter. And that they're just living for those quick hits to, to be to what's next. And you're right. If a Schefter throws that Freddie Freeman's no, not coming back to the Braves, that's going to be big time sports news, not just baseball news. So I agree. There's, I think the, the parallel conversations are helping here to some degree, but also it's a good class. And just to give you the numbers quick here before we transition to the NFL, this is where we are right now. If, you know, all of this, this entire baseball process, phase one and phase two of free agency starting back in November. We're, we're about to hit $3.2 billion of guaranteed free agent contracts. We're just under that part right now. Scott, we, there hasn't even been a $2 billion in the past six years. And I went back that far because I wanted to get away from 2021 as much as possible because obviously there, right. was, there was a touchdown, even though for, for the most part, those averaged out. But if you take any two, two free agent periods, over the past six to eight to 10 years, and I just did this quickly, take any two years and add them together, 2022 is going to be more than any two consecutive years in the past decade. That's how big this free agent market has been. And it's been good players getting good contracts and a couple of blockbuster contracts, of course. Um, you know, Corey Seager, 325. Brian, we mentioned Brian at 182 and Marcus Semien at 175. Those are your big boys. You know, there's there's a dozen hundred million dollar contracts sitting here, a dozen, and it, yeah, I, I think there's two dozen fifty million plus sitting here. So it's been a really productive, efficient contract year, and it's about and the that doesn't blow. include the it's, extensions that have happened. That's right. From this is just trades. new new free agent contracts. So yeah, so all all in with baseball money this off season, you're you're well over four billion. Nothing to complain about there if you're a players association or, or even one of the big dog teams that like to do this kind of spending. It's, it's all happening here. Is it sustainable? No, because we don't have these kind of classes every year. But this will help. The, you know, the, the expanded CBT will impact this to some degree. The problem is you went in there trying to fix the bottom of the CBT, and that hasn't moved an inch. <laughs> right. All right, let's talk football. Got to pay the bills here. Obviously, the transactions have not slowed down there. The, you, know, you mentioned the analytics. We've run some of those just to kind of understand where our, our users and our audience has been most. And it's no surprise that Sean Watson is at the top of that list. A uh, couple of reasons I think I want to stay away from that right now. One is the suspension stuff. I, I want that to kind of come to fruition so we understand the whole picture of this conversation. Now, I realize that the new contract has been structured to, to basically barricade him from you know, losing more than a couple million here, which is not uncommon. This happens quite a bit. 
uh, with restructures and new extensions for players who are uh, having issues. It, there's a couple of reasons behind it. Um, but, you know, Tom Brady did this with the flake game. This is not uncommon stuff at all. And you can, you can love or hate that. But I also don't have the contract information. I have some bits and pieces from reports. So let's do a, a whole segment on Deshaun when the time is right, when we know what the league investigation is going to tell us and when we have the full contract details to speak to. So I guess we'll, yeah, to go, we'll go to the second best story in terms of our analytics this, uh, this past week, which was Rodgers. I don't think I've spoken to you about the Rodgers contract too much. And now that we know that Devonta Adams isn't a part of this conversation, and certainly we'll speak to him next, is, is there, are they reeling in Green Bay? I mean, I know you're reading the tea leaves, tea leaves like I am here. It sounds like Aaron Rodgers knew this was coming and still wanted to return and still wanted to sign this contract. And I know you've watched the video breakdown of the contract and you've, you've been in some of the conversations I've had with how this thing hashes out. It, it's really a one-year deal and then a painful trade, or it's three years and then a lot of pain for Green Bay. I mean, this is, they are swallowing a monster pill by doing this. Do you think there's regret at this point? No, I don't think so. I think, I think it was calculated that they knew Adams was going to be gone, and I think Rodgers knew that he was going to be gone. So if they were going to offer him this kind of money, he's going to take it. and and then it's on the Packers organization to figure out what the next step is going to be from there. And, you know, yeah, it's a one-year deal, but if Rodgers is at the level that he has been for the last few years, you're probably okay swallowing that pill from a dead cap situation if you're going to be able to get two or three firsts and seconds and whatever else is going to get thrown into there. Um, because there, there is always going to be that one, maybe two teams that are going to take that flyer yeah. chance on Rodgers to get to the Super Bowl and win it in one year, sort of like what happened with Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I, I think it was calculated, especially knowing the contract breakdown that it could be a one year. And if it doesn't work out, if, if it does work out for the one year where he ends up staying there, then he's a Packer for life and he's getting paid a gazillion dollars uh, with the Packers itself, but they at least built themselves a one year out if they need to get that one year out. So for those who didn't watch the video or haven't kind of uh, read the breakdown about this, it's worth saying, because I think this is probably, I don't know, is there a 15% chance that this conversation is coming up next March or next February? I, who knows where the season's going to go with Green Bay and the NFC as a whole, but it's, uh, let me put it this way. If they trade Rodgers next March before that second year option bonus kicks in, which would get moved to the new team, it's a $40.3 million dead cap hit, which is astronomical, but in the grand scheme of where the salary cap is going. And by the way, where the Packers will be going, having moved on from Rodgers, right? I mean, it's clearly a, a, re- a rebuild time at that point. So you take the $40 million hit next March to trade him and get back the picks, probably the same package you would have got this year, don't you think? I don't know why that would change, especially now that he's mm-hmm. compensated. Although maybe the, you know, maybe the $100 million left on the deal would reduce that compensation a little bit because of what the new team would have to be you know, guaranteed. Um, but you get your draft compensation back. You get yourself out of $110 million because, like I said, it's $42 million paid out this year and then a $40 million dead cap hit. 
But if you don't trade him next year, this is you know if this is where we think it's going. It's a three-year, one fifty and change, fully guaranteed contract at that point. Everything's going to vest, and after those three years, it's seventy-six million of dead cap. Seventy-six. So either he's staying for a fourth year and helping out the you know the team in that regard, both on the field and financially speaking, or you got to hope he retires. And so that you can translate that into a post June first retirement, and obviously split that up a little bit, or he's going to have to play ball a little bit here, and work out a trade that's post June first, work out some sort of post June release, depending on where things are. It's a lot of speculation, but it's it's important to go that far in this contract because it's either next March or all the way through. That's how this sucker's built right now. So, I I think at least. Getting that in people's minds right now, you know, certainly not Packers fans. They don't want to hear any of this crap. But would you rather take a $40 million hit next year and get the draft compensation to trade him? Or would you rather run this thing as far as it can possibly go and just understand that there's hell coming soon, you know? Yeah. And that is the situation that the front office is going to have to decide. Yeah, they know it, right? <laughs> and, and, and Right. And there's, there is a deadline for this. So they they sort of pickle themselves they know if, if we're going to make this move we have to do it within that that year time frame of having signed this extension yeah. or we're stuck now if they're stuck and you're dealing with cap hits of 40 59 53 you're really hoping that that uh percentage of the cap is going to jump up enough that it's going to mitigate those 59 and 53s a little bit more than yeah. anticipated right now. And, and again, we, we've run the analytics. We've looked at it. The percentage of the league cap, you know, to win the Super Bowl, it's been less than 13%. So, you know, it, it, if the writing's on the wall and Rogers is signing this and those percents of the league caps are going to be higher than yeah. 13%, you can sort of write off the Super Bowl with – Aaron Rodgers at the helm if you go off of the numbers. So um, it, it is a fascinating situation that obviously is not going away because we're going to be monitoring this for the next year or two and what compensation could he get back. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have to say, watching the analytics over this this past week, soon as that Adams trade hit, skyrocketed. Everyone was fascinated in the fact that they went to the Raiders so, you know, is the Green Bay Packers going to be able to mm -hmm. have a receiving core without Adams that is going to be as potent as they were these last two seasons? No, but let Adams? me push back on that because obviously it's not going to be the case, right? Even if they add a player here, and I expect they will, there's it's a, halfway, it's a good draft of wide receivers if they can get involved in that conversation. It's also... I think there's a few guys sitting out there that that may be moved. I, I really, really do. I think there's some some players sitting there uh, to be had. But let me put, let me push this at you. The Jordan Love situation was a disaster, but there's so many people close to that organization that said it it changed Rodgers in a way that made him even better as a football player. I, you can't tell me that <laughs> that Rodgers getting to the Super Bowl without Devonte Adams would not be the biggest Rodgers fu ever. He, he's thinking oh. about. This already. Oh, because yeah, Brady has done this. Brady Brady has taken, you know, 
an absolute disaster of an arsenal, weapon weapon arsenal around him to the Super Bowl. And you can say there's players that have been there, but there's been injuries. He's done this before. Rodgers really hasn't had this. He's always had an Aaron Jones or you know a Devontae Adams going back to you know some of the players who have moved on, certainly Greg Jennings, but now he's got a chance. No matter who they get, there's not going to be a Devontae Adams coming through that door. But if he can make this work and make them NFC Championship slash Super Bowl contenders with whatever weapon, weapons end up being around him, it's, it's such a Roger situation now, right? The ego, the ego could not be more inflated. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see what their internal draft board is now or what draft analytic mm-hmm. people that follow it to the T would say now because the, the Packers now have two first, two seconds, and a third, all of which are within the top 100 picks. So they could – Yeah, that's wouldn't a, it be interesting yeah. if they went – with a wide receiver in round one, did something else in round one, did another wide receiver in round two, and did something else in round two, you know, to really stockpile those. I don't know how you don't. Wide- how can you? That, that's to me what, what this contract is screaming. All in for two years. I mean, that's, if they do something off the board with those four picks, Scott, then, I mean, Rodgers might just retire. <laughs> right. And don't you, I was going to say, don't, don't you feel that the Packers from the front office standpoint, they have to, they have to do some kind of a splashy move here because Rodgers wanted it to happen two years ago. Yeah. They went and got love. That's not what he wanted to happen. Now they're in this situation again. And yeah, let, let's just put it this way. They're not using those four top 100s to go and move up in 2023 for Bryce Young. <laughs> that's, that's that's not going to be the case here. Um, you know, it, you know, when you put it that way, though, I'm glad you brought it up. The compensation part of it that have they have they helped? Did the Devonte Adams trade actually help them become better contenders? Possibly, right? Obviously, these these four contracts are going to be cheaper. But if you can fill three holes by moving on from Adams immediately, fill three holes. What have you done here, right? Yeah, what if all five of those are starters? What if you yeah, that, what, what if you hit on ha- at least half more, you know, th- four out of the five? Exactly. Then then maybe you have literally rebuilt yourself into a contender on the fly here, knowing you have your quarterback in place. It's it's at least a worthy risk. Absolutely. Uh, especially with how fast things can turn around. And, and like you said, th- there could be a couple moves still uh, yeah, I potentially happening from a trade standpoint um so i i think and and not, with, not aaron jones is a player aj dillon is a player they re-signed right. robert tanyan who's now healthy from from that injury last year he was a player he was a big end zone threat for this team you know well and look it, at what happened with look, look at what happened with the Bengals. everyone was like they need to go offensive line they went and got jamar chase and look at what happened for joe burrow and having that premier wide receiver piece if the if the Packers can go and do that and get two or three out of those top five those five of the top 100 picks that really make an impact that team could just be uh, following in step even having moved on from Adams feels like this is a Cole Beasley spot no yeah he too much like Alan Lazard I guess I don't have the uh the X's and O's here in front of me to, to kind of understand that, but just feels like that's the right move. Here. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Definitely an Aaron Rodgers type guy, although you do have to replace something that Devontae Adams can do. And that that's probably where those draft picks are coming that you mentioned there. So 
All right, the Adams trade itself uh, came with a monster extension that isn't as monster as obviously everybody was reporting off the top. Um, I did a video breakdown on that contract today that is on YouTube. Follow the Spot Track podcast on YouTube for those. I've got about mm, seven of those up there now. Seven new contracts that I'm breaking down kind of number by number on YouTube. Um, it's three for 60, almost eight, which is big. I mean, that's still big, even if you slice it down like that. But this is the move. I mean, this was always the team that was rumored for because of the connection with Derek Carr, because obviously they've had some issues with their wide receivers in the past few years with Amari Cooper and obviously Henry Ruggs last year. So there was a, there was a major need for this. And many of us assumed they were going to go to the draft if they had to, to get it done. But this is a lot better <laughs> than doing that. It costs a lot more. And by the way, the, the Raiders contract situation, wow, you want to talk about a wow. This was a team that had to trade Khalil Mack because they didn't want to pay an edge rusher, edge rusher money. That, that's what John Gruden and Mike Mayock did when they walked into town. McDaniels gets into town and becomes the most unpatriots-like you know, person in the history of the Patriots. I mean, this is, you're about to give Derek Carr 40 million. You just gave Devontae Adams you know, three for 68. You just gave Chandler Jones three for 51. You gave Max Crosby four for 94. Just massive contracts left and right without really having seen what this team is going to look like under McDaniels. It's, it's a vote of confidence like we haven't seen from many teams. It's risky, but I don't think anybody's going to complain with the names I just mentioned, right? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty potent core to have, at least to start off your coaching career if you're Josh McDaniels, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and all like, positions of power. It's not like they're paying, you know, right tackles and, and inside linebackers. This is, in fact, they have cut many of those players to account for this situation. This is where you start the process, right? Absolutely. And, you know, they, they had to trade a first, which is their 22nd pick, and their second, which is their 53rd pick. But would you, if you're the Raiders, would you rather take a shot at, having that veteran presence of you that you already know and have seen film on from eight years worth and just throw them in with Carr and Jacobs and whatever, uh, Hunter Renfro and Waller, you know, th that, that team is ready to go. Or would you rather use those to move up to get one of those? Well, those let me even picks? push back because it's, it's even more intelligent than that, Scott. Um, like I said, Everybody in the free world was assuming the Raiders were taking a wide receiver with that. Was it number 22? Is that what you said? 22. Okay. Yep. So they've done that. They've acquired Devontae Adams. Let's keep going. Right. Everybody in the world was expecting their second pick to be a cornerback. They traded Yannick Ngakwe to the Indianapolis Colts for Rocky A. Singh, who is now the starting left cornerback on this team. That's done. That's taken care of. And in trading Yannick Ngakwe, they opened up an edge rusher position for Chandler Jones, who they signed to a $51 million contract. So that position has been accounted for. This is all good to go. I mean, there, there was an absolute step one, step two, step three plan in place with these premier positions, and they hit on all of them. I think they're completely thrilled with how this worked out. And now you get Adams and Renfro it, it, with Waller and Moreau, and the running back situation is as good as ever. I mean, Jacobs took a step forward. Kenyon Drake's coming off an injury, but he's a great pass catching back. And they signed Brandon Bolin. McDaniel's old friend out of New England, who you know can be kind of that gadget player as a third running back. So I, I think they're absolutely thrilled on March 20th to be where they are right now as a roster. Yeah, it, it, this is Rams-esque, where they're, yeah. they're making the trades for these, these power 
positions that you need. And it's not blowing at a wall. It is calculation, right? right? Yes, right. It, from a roster standpoint, they're filling all their needs, but they're they're not going with the, well, if we take this draft pick from this college and we've watched it, but we're, we're still iffy, you already know what you're getting with the players that you're trading for because you've yeah. seen them in NFL rosters, in, in actual game situations, and you're not having to, to guess is that player going to fit in or not. So the fact that they're using their draft compensation for what they probably would have went out and got anyways, like you said, they're probably going to take the wide receiver at number 22. Yes, he's team controlled, but if you're in a win now situation, you don't, you don't care about that for the next four years. You want to bring in that player. And the fact that they structured Adams's contract where, you know, if they have to do a restructure oh, next yeah. year with that roster bonus or the base salaries in years, you know, four and five, because it's still working out then, then great. But they at least know that from a, a roster construction standpoint, that they have guys that have been in the system. They know what it's going to do for, for car. It's just going to be plug and play and it's going to help Renfro open up. It's going to help Waller open up. Oh, it's yeah. going to, it, it, it's going to be, um, and, I almost feel like they had to do this move and the other moves that they did knowing Russell is coming to <laughs> the Denver Broncos. Mac went to the chargers, you know, that I, I've been saying this to you. I said it to uh, uh, Jeff, our, our server guy that we talked back and forth. Th- this is now the group of death for the NFL yeah. because it's just going to be an absolute slug fest. And it's going to be whichever one can sustain winning, but also sustain injuries throughout playing each other two times each, because it's just there. It's sort of like what we saw in major league baseball last year, where the, the, the Padres last, did something. Yeah. And then the Dodgers said, well, I'm going to one up. And then the, the Padres did something. And then the Dodgers said, Oh, I'm going to one you up again. Um, so that division is fascinating. And I think the Raiders making this move for Adams was something that they felt if we are truly going to continue to compete against what these other teams have done in our division, we had to make this move. Yeah. I love it. I love, I just love the calculation behind it. You can just see the process in place and there's a, there's a success rate with this kind of stuff, you know, take it from the NBA, as you know, Scott, Generally, youth doesn't win out, you know, in a in a 22 week process here for the NFL, and, and certainly not in the NBA. I mean, it's 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 a it's a grown man's game, and that generally means draft picks get pushed aside for experienced players, and that's really what we've seen from the Rams last year, the Raiders moves this year, the Broncos moves this year. There's a lot of that going around. Certainly, Von Miller joining the Bills that's a that's a grown man move for Buffalo, who have plenty of kids even on that defensive line around him now. So. It's the right situation for a lot of these contenders to be going into. Stop trying to stop trying to, you know, stop trying to rebuild or plan for the future while you're trying to win the Super Bowl. Isn't that the point here? Don't don't yes. try to have it all at once. Do one thing really well, which is build a deep, experienced, successful roster at one time. And then when when the time comes to rip that band-aid off, then there's a time to go back to the draft and use those top one hundreds and really start to, you know, replenish that pool. But you know, that's just a, it's, it's a whole new world with sports. Uh, that has not, that was not well, the case eight years ago with any of these sports, even the NBA, 
you know, free agency and cap space was a thing. This stuff's all ghost money now. It's just, you, you know, how do I get LeBron and what it's going to take? And everybody's up for everybody. So if we're, well, even, we, if we're we, even getting an inkling of that with the NFL, it is such good news. It's so fun. Well, it really is. And from a, to go back to the draft part, to if they were at the 22nd pick and they wanted to go up to the 18th pick because they, they really saw a wide receiver that they wanted, they're most likely going to have to give up a first that do a first right. swap, give up a first next year and probably a second just to go up three or four spots. Whereas you gave up a first this year, a second this year, and you got Adams and you retained your first next year. If, if they have it, I have to look and see if they still have it. The difference is money. That's it. Right. Instead of so being cheap, think, pay. <laughs> and if it, if, if, if it works 10 times out of 10, you're going to do it. And the fact that the Rams did what they did and set themselves up and got to the Super Bowl, if the if the Raiders can get deep into the playoffs with what they've been doing, I I, I really think you're going to start seeing some teams look at the draft differently than we have seen over the last 10 years because you're going to start seeing sure. – because of this on-demand system where we don't really care about – five, six years out, we're in a win now situation. This is what LeBron does. I want to win right now. So we're going to make these trades. We're going to make these moves right That's why now. We're expecting him to leave the Lakers, Scott, right? Aren't right. we expecting that now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and he's not going to sit around for this crap anymore. He, he's going to no. go to a team that can win. And that's, and I can't blame him because this conversation is a real conversation in all of sports. Let, let me put, let me ask this question. Cause there's one element you're kind of missing out on here. Cause because Derek Carr's established, whether, Many people think that or not. He's going to get a huge contract. He's going to be there for four more years. Um, which quarterback move thus far? And I think there's probably two more coming. I would assume Baker moves and Jameis is going to sign. And, and those two are going to be starters. So there's two more starting moves, in my opinion, coming. But which quarterback move has the best chance to get all the way through right now? Is it Russell? Is it Deshaun? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I would I would say I should I should probably bring Garoppolo in this conversation too, although the, the, the shoulder stuff really has me pushed away from that. But if you're talking about the moves that have recently happened, I would say Yeah, this offseason. I mean it's not Carson yeah. Wentz. Let's just throw that out the garbage door. No, right it's probably Russell has the best okay. chance, which is why he went to the team he did. All right. So I agree with that. But to your point, you're saying, you know, if the Raiders are, if they amplify their success this year with these immediate moves, but if, but if the Broncos win, you know what I mean? Not only is the trade amplified, but this availability of quarterbacks now is going to be off the charts, which is that this is the LeBron conversation. This is the Durant and Kyrie conversation we have almost every offseason. You know, are they really stable or do you think they're going to be looking to push out this year? We're going to have this conversation with every quarterback. In fact, we almost just did. You know, if you're not Mahomes or Allen, I, I don't know, is there another Herbert, Burrow, which can't really? If you're not those guys, did we talk about every other quarterback at some point in time this offseason? Because we did. Because now everybody's sort of at least on the edge of their seat. And if it's not the absolute perfect situation, there's at least a what if, which is what basketball constantly gives us. There's a constant what if. You know, what if Kyrie doesn't opt into his player option? What if, you know, what if James Harden hates his team after three weeks? What? There's just a constant, constant evaluation of the stability of a team. 
I think we're there. And if Russell wins, if we have Brady change teams and win, Stafford change teams and win, and then Russell change teams and win, and back-to-back-to-back seasons, the league as we know it has changed. And, And I don't think we can go back. And that is maximum fun for guys like us who follow this stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we were uh, chomping at the bit with all the conversations six months ago with what quarterbacks were going to be on the move and were there going to be trades and, you know, especially having had the discussion, Scott, that Rodgers may be a trade piece next March. (laughs) So if we followed up with those three situations and then Rodgers becomes available again in March, I mean, the NFL is going to be on top of the world as they usually are. You know what I mean? I, I do. And I'm curious to see if it goes even one step further where you start to see teams in season. Let's use Joe. Let's use Joe Burrow as an example. D- does a team come in and say, we're going to trade for Joe Burrow. Now we'll give you three firsts and two seconds or whatever it might be, because we know how good he is and he's established and we're going to take him before you extend him with the Bengals. And, and because it's very rare that we see those those premier rookie scale contracts being traded. I mean, in the NBA, it, it's very rare. And I mean, we've been having conversations with if Zion should be traded before. I was just about to bring happen. that up because there is a little of that, Scott. And I hate to do this, but the Bengals are cheap. The, the Bengals, right. the way they structure their contracts and, and their inability really to, to, to push out huge contracts. It's been a contention, point of contention since Carson Palmer, who had to retire to get out of that situation. So you're not off here. It's, it could be a Zion situation at some point if those... And by the way, Kyler Murray is going through that to some degree right now. He's, hating, he's hating the offers. He's probably hating the structure. He's probably hating all the, uh, the void options that are be, be being built in for baseball and injuries and all that. So those two situations, I agree with your conversation, even though it's not a reality yet. But yeah, there's no, a little Zion in there. But that's why I said it, the, the next step with what is happening is Could be. those rookie scale quarterbacks that have already been in the league for two, three years that show the promise that a team really likes and they're going to come in with an unbelievable, ridiculous offer. But it may be that one season that we bring them in and they get us over the, the hump because we don't we we haven't liked what has come out of the draft nor do we want to have to spend the time to mold those quarterbacks for the next four years. I mean, let's be honest. If Aaron Rodgers retired and they, they weren't in love with Jordan Love, they were going to make probably a trade for something yeah. to, to plug and chug. But there may be some of those other fringe – because let's be honest, the, the amount of – elite quarterbacks that we're starting to sort of see. I mean, the the list of quarterbacks that I keep seeing, you know, Burrow, Herbert, mm-hmm. Allen, Mahomes, you name it, that it, it's we're going to get to a point where teams are not going to want to necessarily have to go into the draft. They're going to want to trade for that that rookie well, scale or almost rookie scale that has that experience because they are plug and chug and depending on uh, what level they're at might be able to get a discount or whatnot. You know, that, well, that's let, where... let's finish with this conversation. Cause I love how you've crossed back and forth here a little bit, but you mentioned the AFC West, you mentioned the NBA stuff. Are, aren't we headed for, you, you know how there's, it's kind of flip-flopped here for a while. The Western conference in basketball was yep. murderers row. 
Like people was. Were, were demanding trades to the East. In fact, LeBron did this. He went back to Cleveland, right? Um, just to get the hell away from six, seven teams who are legitimate championship contenders. Aren't we headed towards that here? I mean, all the quarterbacks you just mentioned are in the AFC, right? And there's more. There's, you know, there's more who are, Carr's one of them. There's, there's, a, there's probably an eight-pack of teams in the AFC that have at least a fringe to legitimate chance to be in that final weekend right now in 2022 based on the moves we've seen happen right now. And I haven't done the, you know, the FanDuel odds or things like that yet, but it's a very one-sided conversation. And that's cyclical based on how moves happen. And, by, and, and it balances itself out because we see, we see you know, a season that we're about to go through happen, which is they're going to destroy each other in the AFC. And one of these crappy NFC teams could push all the way to the top and, and kind of surprise us all. We've seen that in basketball a lot, right? And then it balances itself out because some of those AFC guys say, get me the hell out of here. I'm, I'm going to go to, a, you know, to, to calmer waters in this NFC where I have a better chance just to survive the 17-week season. But there's going to be a, a growing pains period here with this process. Don't you think? The AFC is just too one-sided. Yeah, which is kind of why I was surprised that Watson reversed course and went to Cleveland because going to it sounded like it was between Atlanta and New Orleans Saints, where you're you're going to the the, the NFC, you're going to a division that is lower in in tier as it is right now, so you're you're going to go and stay in the East or in in the AFC mm-hmm. where it's an onslaught. So I think it is cyclical. We'll probably start to see a uh, shift at some point. But with that being said, those teams in the NFC, they're going to want to maybe do what I'm proposing, where if you really like a quarterback that someone drafted that is showing promise. Can I give you a name? Sure. Let's say you're the Falcons. And you missed out here. There was a chance to really resuscitate that situation. By the way, that roster is solid. Not great, but it's solid. And there's a real chance that there may be a year away from really pushing. But, but Ryan's, he's not a liability yet, but he's, you can just see it's coming. You know, it, it's, he's still putting up the production. I think he's still hitting that deep ball pretty well, but you can just see it's coming. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan is out the door here in the next couple of weeks, or excuse me, by Tuesday when that bonus is, when his roster bonus vests. I could be part of this Baker conversation. Could be part of the ah, could be part of the Garoppolo yeah. conversation. I know mm-hmm. there's a huge tie to Shanahan in San Francisco. If if they want to have Ryan for one year and and string Trey Lance long, just to get that conversation out there. But here's the name. And by the way, it's it's an AFC to NFC move. The Falcons appear to be that team right now that could be prying on an AFC quarterback. And I think there's real discourse with Lamar Jackson right now. I think there's a real oh, chance that that contract doesn't get done. Um, so let's say they get through this season, he's tagged, and the contract is still a disaster. And Baltimore, you know, they've spent so much in their secondary, and they're trying to fix this wide receiver situation, and their offensive line has been accounted for to some degree. They just got to move on, you know. They just got to move on, and they're going to poach a, a situation that they can that they can latch onto and and just kind of keep that roster afloat. Right. But does Atlanta come swinging for a player like Lamar Jackson to, to drop in and be that next weapon for that roster? That's the kind of move I think you're talking about here, right? 
And, and that's a oh, yeah. little bit further down the road, right? That, he's in fifth year option this year. He'd be a franchise tag next year, but that is an AFC and NFC move that I could perfectly see happening next year. Or even, I guess, even to some degree this year, if Ryan for Jackson was a viable move from a quarterback standpoint, obviously picks involved there, but that, that is what we're looking for. We're looking for a little bit of turmoil, right? With a player that's just enough to get us on the edge of our seats to say, oh, this could be it. This could be the next guy moved off. And that's all you need right now. It's been just so much fun. Well, well, even I know the Falcons are not necessarily in this situation, but some of these teams that end up having so much cap space and roll it over, yeah, you, you could eat some of, you know, if, if there is a lot of cap coming back to those teams and they don't necessarily want to go into the, uh, the, the draft again, and you say, say Lamar was only in year three and there was still, you know, hindsight's 2020, but say it was Lamar going into that year three or year four. Or Kyler. Let's say you, Kyler, year three. Or, go ahead. All right. Kyler. Yeah. You, you, you make that move knowing that you have the space and you can, you can afford to extend them. Maybe not at the four year or whatever. Maybe it's a two year, but yeah, you know, I, I, where I'm going with this is I like seeing what these NFL teams are doing because we've been saying it for two or three years now where they need to take these risks. They need to make a trade. I want to see them continue that, but I want to see them really take the risk of, do I want to go after these quarterbacks that we think could really plug and chug and get them before these extensions happen? Mm. Whereas, you know, if, if Kyler doesn't get extended, you know, what is that going to mean? Because for the most time, for the most part, what we usually see is these quarterbacks are either getting extended or they're flaming out like a Josh Rosen or whoever else of recent. Um, so I, I love seeing the, the roster construction from a, a fart. A, a, a and, and by smart, the way, Scott, just so we say this, it's not a perfect science. I mean, the Bengals just no. did this completely from the draft, right? right. <laughs> completely from the draft, the Bengals got to the Super Bowl. So it's not, every team is not going to operate this way. But I do think that your big boys, just like baseball or, or basketball, your big boys are going to start to turn to this approach more and more when the time is right. Um, we got to finish with one last thing because I would be remiss. I, I feel like I'd be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I didn't speak to some of these smaller contracts that have signed in baseball and football, right? I mean, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, identical three or $60 million contracts, 40 million fully guaranteed, same agent, got these guys to agree to short term, get in, get the 40 mil, get out, do it again before age 30. It's perfect. And then I know you, uh, you did a lot of work on the Carlos Correa deal, Scott. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, that, that, that was interesting. I, I wasn't expecting him to go to the twins for one. Yeah. I don't know if you were expecting that, uh, three years, $105 million average of, you know, 35 million, but he has two player options, yeah. which is interesting. You know, he, it's pretty much a one-year deal where he could be out in, in a year, two player options. It's a limited, no trade clause this year, but then it's a full, no trade clause with those player options. So meaning if he gets to 23, says that I'm opting in for that one year, he has the full no trade clause where he can pick if they wanted to tr trade him for some reason, they were not doing as well as they expected. He could pretty much pick where he wants to go. So uh, complete 
player power there where you you, you have the, the limited no trade clause where you can say you're going to be traded, but have say in sort of what teams you potentially want to go to, but then two player options that you could be out in after year one or after year two, so much power with that contract. So, so two things, a generally speaking, a team like the twins has to wildly overpay to get this player in. And to some degree they did, right? Because it's a 35 million plus average salary. So it does hit the, yeah, but I think we hard. kind of, yeah, but I think we kind of expected that for him. Well, we, we did, but l- let me put it this way. This is the Trevor Bauer deal. It, it's a it's a year to year high right. average salary with with a no trade clause. It's 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 total player control. Except for here's the difference. Trevor Bauer's agents are John Federoff and Rachel Lu- Rachel Luba. Carlos Correa's agent is Scott Boris, and that's why yes. this is crazy. <laughs> okay, because yep. Scott Boris doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. He takes his ten year deals, his fifteen year deals, his eight year deals. And he lives like he did 15 years ago. And I, nobody can really argue because he's so damn successful. I think it's another 1.4 billion of contracts for him this offseason in baseball. So, I mean, he's the king of the well, world. Maybe he's been respect. listening to us. No, maybe that's he's not the case at all. Us. Nope, 0%. <laughs> no Twitter follow, no podcast listens. No, he's just, he listened to his player on this one, I think. I think this is what Carlos Correa wanted. He wanted to maximize dollars after getting, you know, somewhat slighted in Houston. The Houston offer was six for 120. I think it went up to maybe 130 at some point, but he got 105 for three to go elsewhere. And it can be one for 35 and do it all over again if he wants to. So I think it's phenomenal. I think it's absolutely the right move for a player like this. And by the way, you know, everybody in the, in, in the world is talking about this free agent class as the shortstop class. There's seven shortstop. They've basically all gone now after Trevor Story joined the Boston Red Sox today. If he opts out next year, now he's the shortstop. You know what I mean? Like, it's just him. And if he has right. a great year in Minnesota and opts out of 35, you know, two for 70, now it's just him. He's probably the preeminent free agent on that 2023 class. And it's him against the world. And Scott Boris can get his grandiose contract at that point. So that's probably the conversation that was had. But the fact that we got here with Gray and the Twins, it's just, it's so good for baseball. And we're seeing more of it in football as well. The three-year contract yeah. is the real deal in football right now. So. It's good stuff. That, is that Twins team? Is that Twins team ready to win? They're close. Uh, the The division around them it has crumbled a little bit. Cleveland has dropped. The Chicago White Sox are very good. Detroit is taking that step forward. They have made some nice signing. Javi Baez being one of them. But I do think this is probably the number two team in that division. So they're at least in wild card contention, and I, they're easily a playoff team now with the expanded postseason. Um, I have to say this to finish because you brought it up as a why would Deshaun pick Cleveland? You you know the answer, right? They paid him. They gave him the money. <laughs> yeah. All right. This was not about draft picks. This was not about fit. This was not about, you know, he he bumped elbows with Kevin Stefanski and said, this is my guy for the next five years. 230 million, fully guaranteed, huge signing bonus. Right. Loca- it, it is. And even if the other teams were throwing the, the extension out there, I'm sure they were. I'm sure this was part of the conversation because getting the, getting the guarantee voids off of this deal, getting the low salary for the suspension this year. That's part of the negotiation David Muggleletta had to do immediately. So the Falcons definitely made him an offer. The Saints definitely made him an offer. Carolina probably made him the biggest offer, knowing who that, you know, that owner and how crazy that dude is. But Cleveland came in with a good roster, good trade chips, and big time bucks, and they fully guaranteed the thing. That's it. That's, that's how this got done. They were out until they were in, and they're in now. So 
Uh, you know, there's plenty of other conversations with Deshaun Watson, but that trade was about $230 million and nothing else. Good stuff, man. Talk to you soon. All right. See you. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off. Shield Kapadia's free agent grades are there. He's doing a grade for every freaking sign. He's nuts. He's the best, though. He's nuts. Theathletic.com slash spot track. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Thank you.